apparently one of the things about bindweed is how strong it is. No matter where bindweed lands, it will grow. And if it's near a tree and it wants to grow that much, apparently it can get so strong it'll pull a tree down. But people don't really mind it and forget that it's a weed because the flowers are really pretty. And so people don't pull it out until it's kind of too late and it's taken root and it's taken over. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. Today, we're getting better acquainted with Sam. Hello, Sam. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Good. Yeah, and uh, we're recording in a, a university building, which is... Somewhere that I've, I always find university buildings, I was saying to you just before we started, I always find them a strange place to come back to. But yeah, that's where we're recording, so that's what the background sound is, if, if any interrupts us. The first question that I ask everybody is, how do you know me? Uh, you and I studied the same course at the university together. We started in 2000, 2001? Yeah, 2000, I think. Yeah, and we finished in 2003, so that's three years together. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, I, did, I don't know if we knew each other afterwards very much, because I was hanging out with Richard and Jed and that doing Edinburgh and Matt. Yeah. But I don't think we saw each other very much. Not either. much, I don't think. Well, they, they, they were in a company with me, well, most of them, Jed wasn't, and then at the end of university, that, that theatre company split up and went on to become oh, yes, Demonstrate and left yes. me on my own. Oh, uh, oh how did that happen? Well, I, we, all went, we, we all had different ideas of where we wanted the company to right. go, and then we sort of... So we split it up. There was me, Richard and Matt, but then Richard pursued his idea of where he wanted it to go yeah. and asked Matt if he wanted to be involved. And so that's how it also went. Also as well, didn't we do a performance together outside of uni, with the one on the, camp, on the different we did. colleges? We did a couple of performances together. So you were in my... Do you my... remember somebody stole my dress? Right. <laughs> I was going to talk about that. So yeah, okay. So, so yeah, the first production, I guess, we did together... Like, because outside of the course, because yeah, yeah. most of the things I did in uni were not to do with the course, really, that, that mattered to me anyway. But the first one we did um, was my play, Seeing Double, mm-hmm. which was a bar crawl. Yep. The audience kind of followed genius. around these characters. Yep. Um, it seems quite pertinent these days. It was like men who couldn't be in touch with their feelings, who were taught kind of to become in touch with their feelings yep. through, um, through torture scenes. But they did learn by the end of the scene, by the end of the play. Yep. But you were cast in one of those terrible roles for women that's like the worst. It's like <laughs> a, a stripper, I think, yep. was the, was the, yep. uh, was the and role. And I had, I had a PVC nurse's uniform. That's right. And at the end of me dancing, there was a fight of some sort. So we had to, we were supposed to disperse really quickly. Yeah. But I couldn't because someone had stolen my dress. Yeah. I'd taken my dress off and thrown it somewhere and they nicked it. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was the thing about doing that, that, that show, the, the scenes in the bars happened with the, the general public yep. there as well. So mm, the general public around. could join us. I mean, it was in a university, so the general public being the student body. Yeah. And I mean, that was a very nerve wracking scene for us to have in it really because we were like okay so we're having somebody start stripping in a public space where people aren't necessarily expecting it we don't know how they're going to behave towards sam yeah and also we had to, you had to be in a body stocking didn't yes you, for... also, oh no we had to make we had to make something for my boobs because I, I had um knickers and suspenders on right but no bra Right. And shoes. Right. How people react to you because or by then, also, well, it's strange because saying the, that about the, how people react the to you. The point as well to it was people could come in and leave 
the scenes wherever they wanted yeah. to because there were what were there 10 bars on campus or something yeah and by that time by the time we'd got to where we were people had already had a drink right people started drinking yeah so it's difficult to know how people are going to react under those circumstances ironically yeah. enough now still working in a bar or whatever but that's right well you're working yeah. in a university bar now now yeah uh, which is yeah it's, it's, yeah which is a strange strange thing to be and doing. i worked in a strip club well, they... I was a floor supervisor, waitress, so I wasn't a stripper. Worked in a strip club about a year and a half or something. One of the reasons why I got back in touch with Jed was talking on Facebook a little bit. I hadn't spoken to him in ages, and this was only beginning of last year or something. I'd just got back from France, and um, I, yeah, by fluke, said hi to Jed on Facebook. And he said, oh, ironically enough, I'm supposed to be organising a stag party for a friend in Brighton. I was like, oh, that's fun. And he said, yeah, I haven't done anything about it. Can you help? <laughs> so, um... I got them their free entry to the strip club that I used to work at oh, wow. and um, got them some drinks and stuff at uh, the bar that I was working at at the time at 3 and 10 and that's when Jed said what do you want to do with the rest of your life and I said I don't know but I really want to get out of the bar industry and he said well funnily enough we've got a bar manager's position at work <laughs> do you want to come and do it so I came to see the space so yeah it's all about stripping apparently yeah well maybe may I mean that the second question I ask everybody is what do you do now and you sort of like get we've, we've basically covered that there a bit I mean so our mutual friend Jed is running the theatre here in this university campus yep. and you're running the theatre bar now mm-hmm. yep. which is is a slight sort of cross over out of yeah the pure is, bar industry yeah, into the something thing is, is that it was, um, it's basically it's the only doing bars working in the hospitality industry is basically all I've ever done now apart from kind of the theatre performances soon to leaving university right. and I taught English for a summer to kids which I found out very quickly is not what I wanted to be doing at all kids are mental um, <laughs> and um, so it's all I've ever really done it's very difficult to try and move industry it, no matter whether you're a manager or not if your CV looks like all you do is wipe kind of tabletops and pull pints right so I can't it's not like I could just get up and walk out and go oh I'm gonna have a career change now no I know that feeling and, myself yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and also because of Rio it's not like I can just kind of pack up and just go when I want to right because you've I, got somebody who's dependent yeah. on you because so that, that's yeah. your son yeah. but that's why when Jed kind of offered me doing this this is the first time I would have done this I would have built the bar almost from scratch alone by myself um, Jed being extremely supportive but me not having anybody else because I, I was in London as well as opposed to in Brighton in Brighton obviously I've got different contacts I can call other people and say oh can you help me do this can you help me do yeah. that or can you find this or I need to source that in London I didn't know anyone so it was actually really exciting to come in and like you're saying then there was a crossover it wasn't just walking in and being a bar manager yeah because it's to do with theatre to a certain extent yeah. and that's what you studied and that's yeah. what you know yeah so. and coming back into that environment was good as well it's really exciting like being down this end of the building as well because we're part of the drama centre so it's not just the rest of the university here concentrated is the active um, so that's good and also I don't have to work behind the bar so much anymore now it's more out on the floor and looking much more kind of the events side of it as well we're actually I've been asked to to hello how are you good yeah good um, <laughs> I've been asked to cater for the university all staff party but it's off site it's at Chelsea so feeling really privileged that yeah. people kind of knowing me within the building and asking me to take our team there to source the drinks there to build the bars there and to do all that so that's that's really exciting so slowly but surely my job role changing and yeah. then getting the skills to be able to hopefully at some point leave it totally but I say that I really like the industry I don't know why 
Well, you're you're a personable person, and you like like that. That's a, 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 a thing that works really well in a bar setting. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you get tired of people and yeah. of the hours, drunk well, people. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> well, you sounds like having worked in a, a strip strip bar though, like uh, the the bar the bar here, like dealing with students is probably easier maybe than dealing with some of the the patrons I, of strip clubs. Like. I don't. Well, I suppose it's because I don't know. age ranges change. The right. money in the strip club makes it easier. Uh, yeah, you're making a lot of money, so when you have to deal with these people and they're just handing £20 notes at you, right. kind of, that takes the edge off. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. You kind of get the benefits of the tips without having to actually do the stripping if you're on the yes. on the floor. Yeah. yeah. But here is, hello, is different <laughs> as well because I don't necessarily have to deal with like literally just general public because at the moment, because the bar is kind of quite so new, it's mainly the student union bar. Yeah. Slowly but surely over the last four weeks we've actually seen people from outside coming in on like a Friday evening. And that's kind of what you want to yes, a extent, it's amazing, right? yeah. So now like branching out a little bit, exciting. We were only opening from five o'clock before. Now we open at one within the building and from three o'clock we have security so people from outside can come in. But dealing with these guys is different. And I obviously always think as well, I'm sure I didn't behave like that when I was 23. <laughs> and I look at them and I think they're crazy. They stand on the furniture, they walk across the, across the, the tops of the tables and shit. And when I say to them, can you, not, can you please not walk on the furniture? They actually ask why. They want to know why they're not allowed to stand yeah, on the table. That's interesting. I mean, I mean, you did stand on a table in that scene, in that yeah. bar, but that was, a <laughs> uh, that was a specific scene. Yeah. We got uh, permission. Well, <laughs> they are. They don't get funny here as well because these students study so much. They're here from 8.30 in the morning. They don't stop studying until 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. It's not like in the afternoon. They're in there getting boozy. Like when we went to university, going to any one of the bars on campus, and there was somebody there drinking. Here, it's not like that at all. They take it really, really seriously. So it's only kind of Friday night that you have to deal with it. But then when they do drink, they get totally crazy. Yeah. It's a lot of booze in a very short space of time. Yeah, and you're in a kind of... Uh you're an ad- you're in an adult role within like yeah. almost like you're their parent or like teacher. Yeah, I guess. which I'm sure I haven't changed since I was about 17. So that makes it complicated for me trying to tell off these like 20 year olds. Well, every time I meet you, you, you seem to be the same person in lots of ways. But I don't. I'm sure you have changed though. I mean, that's I mean, in a way, that's what you're noticing when you're saying, "Oh my mm. god." You know, they're, they're children and I'm an adult. Yeah. So that means you've changed, yeah. yeah and I you've guess got so. a child, right? Yeah. Because that's a significant change since when I yeah. first met you, right? But sometimes it's like, he's going to be six. Um, he's going to be six on August 17th. That would have been really embarrassing had I forgotten that. Um, <laughs> he's going to be six. But hanging out with him, because you hang out with them so much, I don't know how often I actually feel like his mother and how much I feel like his mate. We walk along the street and we're talking about things. and. Uh, I don't know, your conversation changes a lot of the time you have to be responsible. He's got to get dressed on time, his clothes got to be clean and you know, he's got to eat food and he's got to eat well. But when you're just hanging out in the street, it's much more like hanging out with your right. kind of with your with your mate, with your friend. And potentially that's gonna be more and more the case because he's yeah, can, can can dress himself more and more. Yeah, and that sort of well, thing. you'd like to think that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, th- I don't know if boys ever get to the point where they do do all this stuff alone. I hope when yeah. they move out of the house, for sure. But I, I think I did that stuff from early. I think there may there may be this different different approaches, different boys. But it, no, his dad says I mummy him too much. I'm not getting into that. <laughs> I, I haven't even met him. Uh, Have you not I, met him? No, I don't oh, think really? so. I've seen pictures of him on Facebook, and oh. he seems like a really like charming. I guess. Yeah. Is the very, impression I'm he's getting? He's very very aware. He's extremely sensitive. You have to be very very careful how you broach subjects with him that are. Just sensitive subjects and that he's going to take on a lot because he takes right. on a lot of information very quickly I think lots of obviously all kids do 
but then his, his, his way of processing it. If he thinks that you're going to get angry with him about something, he'll have a meltdown immediately before you even get angry. He can't cope, he can't cope with uh, it. Okay. So you have to be very, very aware to be able to say to him, we're going to talk about this. I don't want you to get upset because I'm not getting angry, but I need you to be honest and tell me the truth in what happened in this situation. You have to, a very slow process of making sure that you've made that very, very clear to him before you go in asking about what happened or trying to talk to him about his behaviour or you know his speech or... Whatever. I mean, do, do, would you say you enjoy being a mum? Yeah, it's really, really bloody hard. It's right. really bloody hard. But being around him is bloody brilliant. Right. We were talking the other day. We're sitting on the train, so there's lots of other people around. Because obviously he comes up with these conversations that are just hilarious because they've got nothing in their heads. The only yeah. things that they, they start with nothing in their head and the only thing that they, they have is everything they're told like day by day. Whereas yeah. now we're just full of such junk. So we're sitting there and he was trying to tell me the story about something and I said, right, Rio, I don't think you tried very hard with that story. It was quite boring. I think that you could have done better and you could have made it more exciting, you know, bigger words than that and stuff. He went, okay. And he was looking around and I could see him thinking about it. And I said, would you like to try again? He went, yeah. He said, I've got a story for you. And I said, yeah. he went, you're a butt face. <laughs> so I kind of asked for that. But, it, you know, his thought process, he knew he wanted to insult me. He, uh, he did not like being told that he hadn't used his imagination enough or whatever, but... Yeah, so I was a butt-faced. <laughs> yeah. But it seems like something that you've taken to quite naturally, though, I guess. And, 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 and it, no, it sounds so, sort of... I don't know about that word, really. It's a peculiar word, because obviously every, everybody yeah. who's a parent is a natural parent, but... Some people find it like more, like some people find it harder than others, and some people it just seems to fit with their way of being in the world. I mean, yeah, I don't know how you, yeah, I don't know how you negotiate that or how you know if it kind of is natural or not. Yeah, it's really hard. My labour was extremely, extremely quick, um, and we'd only gone into the hospital the day before. He was born within like five hours or something. It It was really crazy. So we were released in the morning the next day. So within 12 hours, I'd gone into hospital and we'd come home with a new baby and he was sitting in the, um, in the car seat on the table and we were drinking tea and all of a sudden there was this baby and you right. go from one day not being a parent at all to the next day, that's it, that's all you are, a mother. And you have to have your shit together that's it. from yeah. that, that, that day <laughs> you'd on, like, right. Yeah, you'd like to think so, well, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. As much as anyone yeah. can. Yeah, but I don't know about natural. I guess that other people find it hard, but is it because of the circumstances they're living in as opposed to from their personality? Yeah, I maybe. I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of factors in all of these things. Mm. I mean, I always like it when... And I think, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, it, it makes me happy that there's people who, like, have your kind of out, outlook who are parents, I guess. Like, whenever you mention things about it on, on Facebook or when we've met in person, I'm always like, yeah, that's a good attitude to have, like, a good kind of... Yeah, being a friend to a child is a great, great, yeah. great example of, of the kind of thing I think that you can bring to, to yeah. being a parent. Yeah. yeah. No. I think as well, you could get too bogged down with worrying. I'm petrified about the future. <laughs> Absolutely petrified to think, you know, he's, he's going to do stuff and I'm not going to be there. When he's not here with me now and I think about it, you start to really panic. He's at school and, you know, where is he? Who's he with? And who talks to him? And do they look after him? And is anyone bullying him? And, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. When he goes to the toilet, is there someone going to wipe his bum? What, you know, all those kinds of things. And then thinking about the future, he's going to go to university. Yeah. I remember the crap I did when I was 13. I think, oh my God, he's going to get brought home by the police one day. I'm going to have to deal with that. But <laughs> it, I don't think... Maybe he'll be the opposite kind of kid, though, because... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's hope. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, I suppose if you stayed worrying about that stuff, you just you wouldn't get anywhere, would you? So I suppose you have to just look at it as positively as possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's... I mean, what, yeah, I mean, I, I always like it when people in, enjoy the company of their, 
of their children, I guess. And, and it seems like a lot of the time people spend so much time worrying, like that they they, they they don't really enjoy their child. I yeah. Guess, yeah. Yeah. And that that's what I like when I see you 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 as a parent. Where you know in what little ways I see that I'm like, oh, she's. A, she enjoy, you know. Sure, you, you know, you might moan as well, but that's mm. part of like yeah, having of a relationship with another yep. human being, right? Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He winds me up. Yeah. Really gets on my nerves. Right. Yeah. If I could, if I could, if I, I sometimes I think if I could, I would take the word "mummy" out of the world <laughs> because he starts every single sentence when he's speaking to me. Mummy, what are we going to do tomorrow? Um, I don't know. I think we're going to do something. Mummy. What are we gonna do? No, no, no. Yeah. Mummy. Da, 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 no. Oh my goodness! I'm gonna start making you call me Sam. I can't cope with it. It's, yeah. yeah. Oh, fair enough. Well. So uh, we met at university, and we did a couple of shows. We did another, the other show. We did, I think, was we did. My theatre company took a show to, to Edinburgh, and when we came back, you came on to fill, fill a part that somebody else couldn't do. So you did a, a version. It was called a Stitch. We were all in boxes. I don't know if you remember. Wow, oh we completely blanked on it. It's the wow. only time the theatre studies department ever ever said that they liked any any play that I was involved in. So I was, <laughs> take that and run with yeah, it. I don't know if that makes it a good play or a bad play, but it, it makes it at least a moment of validation. We were in boxes. What were we doing in the box? Worrying about time. Hello, darling. How you doing? You're good. Right. How are you? Good. Yeah. What's what? going on? Um, just, yeah, we're just doing an interview right now. Oh, can okay. I oh, can I find you later? Yeah, of course. Good. Thank you. Um, we were in boxes. Yeah, we were. I'm sure it's. Is your phone going? Off? Is that me? Ah, I love you. Um, yeah, we were in boxes and we were worrying about time. It was like about time. Richard had a. Richard was wearing a uh, lifeguard suit and had, he was shirtless at this the top of a wonderful. ladder. Yeah, you, this is amazing that you can't remember. <laughs> but we brought you in to cover uh, a part that we couldn't have. Marcy? Marcy went back to America and so we had to have somebody fill in for but, I mean, This is amazing, you can't even remember. What's wrong that's, with my brain? That's, that's what happens when you drunk too much in your life and you had a baby. Right, I think I and think I so, but I don't know if I if if I was you and I'd been drafted in for a one off performance, I don't know if I'd remember it as much as as, as um, uh, where did we do it? In the black box theatre room. What, the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh wow. Anyway, yeah. So, and we were, yeah, we're, we're, we're friends. We've never been like in like constant kind of friendships no. or anything. Like we're both in vaguely different groups, and I didn't really feel like generally. I didn't feel like I fitted in generally with theatre studies as a as a. I mean, I like all the people, but I just didn't feel feel like I fitted in with the course or anything. I um, I think though the. I don't know if it would happen in other theatre studies courses or if it's to do yeah. with performance or whatever. Very quickly, the group did groupings. Do you not think it was to do with the first performance we did? They put us all into groups. Oh, and all of those yes. groups kind of stuck. They basically made the cliques when we actually came. Is that what happened? Yeah, because they were like, who wants to be a dancer? Who wants to be a musician? Oh, of who course, wants to be... of course. And, yeah, and we never saw each been... other for yeah. the first six weeks or something. That's then... true. Yeah, no, yeah. that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because also as well, though, I didn't spend that much time in Lancaster outside of university because I met Diego in the first in the first summer between first and second year and so every weekend I would go back down to all almost every weekend I'd go back down to Brighton and come back up so 
I didn't really hang out in Lancaster yeah. that much. Right. Before that, like, yeah, like before you went to uni, I mean, so you chose to do theatre, and like, was it to do a dance as well? Were you interested in dance? When ever since, when I was younger, I used to do a lot of dance. Um, but when I went to boarding school, I kind of I stopped doing dance, and I did theatre studies for A level with Spanish and English. Right. Spanish and English. Yeah. And um, and yeah, just always always enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. But then realised that because they wanted me to go on to kind of Italia Conti and. Uh, Lambda and Rada and stuff. Right, all that stuff. And I wasn't sure how much I wanted to kind of do that strict, the strict training and that kind of um, one one line of, of performance. Yeah. Um, and that's why then I chose to do theatre studies. That was more messy. The only way I can describe it. That was not just so kind of Shakespearean, learning your lines and being on stage and being directed, but more of a kind of getting into kind of the processes and learning different people and that it's more about performance and politics and putting ideas out right. as opposed to just kind of standing there and being told what to do. Yeah, I mean, that's what I always liked about working like, uh, you at, at, at this. When we, when we did work together in this, that's what I liked about working with you is you always were very much like questioning. Like, that was your stance. You didn't like, you were always like, well, let's assume that I don't know anything. Uh, let's And, and I, I think that's just such a really useful way of approaching stuff. So many people go in with like, this. I know everything about this. And you were always like, tell me, let's, yeah. let's work this out. But that's why it's, well, it's interesting hanging out with you or being directed by people like you and Richard and that. Um, because not not in a funny way you did know more than me and so no yeah you did because because of what you were interested in how you wanted the kind of performance to go it's not anything that I knew about right and so then it's really interesting interesting. yeah because then you hang out with people and you start to learn these things and I don't know you start to then wonder if you can then form your ideas on the fact that someone else is telling you something because you're not a particular kind of person turn around and go this is what I think and it's right you say this is what I think and you can either kind of agree or disagree with it or whatever which uh, yeah makes you learn stuff no you grow yeah. Which is good. Well, it's also great to have people who are asking questions who you're working with who aren't just like apparently following what you're saying, but yeah. you don't know if they're actually taking it in. You know if someone's asking you questions and engaging what you're saying, you know uh, yeah. that they're taking it in. But uh, yeah, I mean, so you, that's right, you went to, you went to boarding school, didn't That's right. Two years. To, yeah. Um, and is there a South American element? My mum is like? Venezuelan. Right. Yeah. She's from Caracas. She's Matt's. <laughs> <laughs> she's wonderful, but she's totally crazy. My dad is English, uh, quite English actually. So he's got four older sisters that were born in West Ham. I think my dad was born in West Ham, and then they moved to Basildon in Essex, and the younger four sisters were born there. Um, so they, all my family is still there in Essex as well, in Basildon. But we don't go back to Venezuela. We stopped going. I think we went every year until I was about 21 to go and see family and that. But political problems and Chavez being a crazy man meant it was very difficult I think my mum was getting really sad with going back to Venezuela and seeing how much it was changing and that she felt the country was totally being ruined and our family had no money whatsoever selling furniture from their house and stuff and I think she was just finding it very difficult and I think she'd given up her Venezuelan passport a long time before that she started to get nervous about going back there and kind of getting stuck in the country with her British passport Chavez was just making up rules kind of along the way to anything he wanted to and she was I think she was worried that we'd go there one day and they'd be like right all British citizens were taking your passports and holding you hostage, etc., etc. Et right. So my auntie Sonia moved to Canada. I think my other aunt, when her husband died, she did something like up sticks and just moved to like the Margarita Islands or something. She's like, I'm going to live out my days on the beach in paradise. <laughs> Some of my cousins went to Spain. So not very much of my Venezuelan family, I don't think, is really still 
still there, but obviously it's practically impossible to leave. Mm. It's the same as in Cuba. They kind of change. Your passport has to say this, and you have to have this amount of money to be able to fly out and whatever. Even so, even if you can afford to buy a, a, a ticket to fly, you have to actually pay the government to be able to leave the country at all. Okay, but you had that influence in your life at least, and you speak Spanish, is that yes. right? Yeah. Not very well because I've been lazy, um, but yeah, which is, is funny as well because speaking with Rio, I have to be very careful. If I'm going to speak in Spanish with him, I'm speaking correctly right? Okay. because I can't let him Learn speak your bad, bad Spanish. Habits, yeah, right. of course. Um, so we have a rule that anybody who speaks Spanish speaks Spanish with him because obviously his dad's from Madrid and anybody who speaks English speaks English. Yeah, but my mum spoke Spanish at home with us, so we never actually studied Spanish. So for example, I can barely read Spanish. Right. I couldn't read a newspaper. Right. And I sound about six years old when I read it out loud. So, but that's good as well. Rio's got reading books in Spanish. Yeah, yeah that's the perfect uh, age. Yeah. yeah, right. So you and him are learning together. <laughs> yeah, don't tell anyone. <laughs> but in actual fact, I read in Spanish so that I know I'm, you know I mean? I'm like keeping up with my Spanish. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, parents generally have to do that anyway with like maths or whatever. So oh, yeah. it's perfectly reasonable. Yeah. So you went to boarding school for two years. Mm-hmm. Okay. We moved to Essex from Dubai when I was nine. Right, that's right, okay, mm-hmm. so, right. So I was born in Dubai. Right. Mm-hmm. And my dad's a civil engineer. Right. And he was always working with joint venture companies. So I think the English side was called Paulings, and the UAE side was Duckco or something, Duckco Paulings, I can't remember. Anyway, so then when I was, when I was nine, I'm not quite sure what happened. So my dad's contract with like the UAE side finished or whatever, and so the company was sending him to India. And so we weren't going to stay in Dubai without my dad. Well, actually, women, single women can't stay there anywhere or something on their own, however it works. And so we moved to Essex, Hockley in Southend to be kind of... quite an extreme change, I guess. Yes, it was a hugely extreme change. Yeah, massive. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then my dad basically moved to India. So he would come home at Christmas time and summertime for a certain amount of weeks. But the rest of the time, it was me and my mum, my sister in the house, my dad in India. So then when I was about 16, and my mum will tell you a different story though. <laughs> when I was about 16, I have, I have a cousin who's a year, a school year, academic year older than me. So she was already going, her family were living in Abu Dhabi, and she was already going to boarding school, Ardingai. And so when I was 16, and my sister had moved and gone to university like two years before that, so just me and my mum in the house, I say that what my mum said was she wanted to go and finally go and live with my dad. Which obviously makes sense. She'd had to live without him for like since like, from yeah. nine to sixteen, or whatever. And so I was given the choice: I could either go to school in India and go and move out there with them, or I could go to boarding school that my cousin was already at, stay in the UK. So I picked here. Now my mum will tell you that I just kind of up sticks at sixteen and went right. That's it. I want to go to boarding school. Goodbye. Right. But I'm sure that's not what happened. Okay. But um, yeah. So then I went to boarding school for two years, which is fun. So that was like when you were like what? Like I went there when I was. I think my first birthday, I turned. 17, 16. Right, so you're sort of like boarding at a time when it's really quite nice to stretch your, like spread your yeah. wings and get away from home. Yeah, there. but boarding school then can be a funny place when you start at that age because there's only a certain amount of new starters. Everyone else has been there since they were 13. Okay. Making friends is tough. Yeah. Really tough. But I guess um, you'd already had to do that. You've had, like I've, I've yeah. moved places when I was growing up as well, so you get a whole friendship group and then you move. Yeah. I didn't do any continental moving, but no. uh, that, so that's going to be even more strange, I guess. Mm. So maybe yeah. that prep, prepped you well. Mm. I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess so. And also because we, we were often going abroad, so, you know, visiting family, I suppose, and yeah, getting better acquainted with people every time that you don't hang out with your family for a year and then you go out and you spend, you have to live with them for six weeks, do you know what I mean, in the, in the summertime or whatever. So I suppose that's about 
friendship and relationship building every time you come and go. Yeah. But saying that as well, those boarding school girlfriends are now the my kind of closest group of girlfriends. There's ten of us all together. One lives in the Cayman Islands, the other one in Bermuda, and the rest of us all live in the UK. We get together, or we try to get together. Every Christmas we have Christmas dinner together. We've done it for about the last five years, I think. We've just, uh, I think it was May the 17th, I don't know if March, April, May. I think it was May the 17th, literally just now. Um, so every single one of us has kids apart from two of the girls. And the, um, Sam, who's in Bermuda with her husband, came with her new baby. Lou had just had her baby. Freya's just had her baby. And we all got together at Charlotte's house and it was the first time ever all the kids had been in the same place at the same time and there was only one girl missing. That's the first time since 1999. Yeah, well a group of 10 people is, yeah. is a hard thing to get together after yeah. a certain point of adulthood. And ironically enough this year, when Caroline comes over from Cayman, we're doing another blonde ambition because Charlotte, Josie and Caroline's birthdays are similar times and they're all blonde. Um, so we put these parties on, not everybody could make it and I think this year will be the first year Sam will be here from Bermuda, Caroline will be here from Cayman, and Blonde Ambition is happening. It's on the 14th of July or something. Nice. Yeah, so we'll all be together. No kids. Yeah, wow. Wow. That, that must be rare. Exciting. Yeah. 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 So those girls from boarding school now, we're very, like, we're very tight, which is nice. Yeah. Mm. I mean, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so you, I guess you've experienced a few, uh, quite a few places in the world before you, before you came to university. I mean, I remember thinking that, like, one of the things I was remember thinking when we sort of when we around when we first met it's like you know my life has been very like even though I've moved around all over the UK it's been very monocultural right mm -hmm. and uh, you, you know like in conversation you'd be like da -da 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 -da, Dubai this India this like like Venezuela this and I like that's yeah. why even in my mind now I didn't know what the actual yeah uh, way it fits it together right yeah but as well it is kind of just fluke touch wood I'm a very lucky girl it's a fluke that my parents got together like that. And one is one and one is the other. It's a fluke that my dad kind of works abroad, so I got to travel so much. Because being at boarding school, so it was wonderful with my dad being in India. My dad would book my flight ticket for the day after we broke up. I'd go and sleep in Heathrow Airport, fly out the next day, fly back the day before we started school again. All my holidays were spent kind of just sitting by the pool, <laughs> not doing anything. Well, yeah, you're right. It's that wonderful. is luck. Yeah, uh, but, it's, yeah, but it's, it's wonderful. Luck. Yeah. yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. And then the only other way that I kind of got to know other countries, which now seems crazy, it seems like such a long time ago, going travelling with one of my boarding school girlfriends, Lauren, did six months, and I think I still remember it, India, Singapore, Bali, Australia, New Zealand, Rarotonga, Hawaii and LA. Wow. Yeah. But outside of Spain and <laughs> India, I don't go anywhere now. Now. Yeah, that's a funny thing about adult life, isn't it? Like yeah. all of the exciting times that you remember. Like, yeah. I mean, whatever it is, whatever it, whether it's making theatre for example and you're like mm -hmm. oh, don't do that anymore no. uh, but yeah I guess like I kind of do now but it took a while because mm. that's that's one of the things I, I did relate when you were saying about like once you get into bar work you can't get out like after uni I got a job in a library and then you know when I moved to London I was like I'm definitely not going to work in a library again really and I had to work in libraries <laughs> it was the only thing yeah? I was qualified what for do you right? do? so mm. yeah do you like libraries the libraries are okay I enjoyed doing children's work which I got into through the libraries oh really more and so like my favorite bits of being a library assistant used to be doing the story times and then I managed to make that the whole of my job yeah. and then now I've lost That's that job good. so now I'm now I'm freelance whatever that means yeah but I would not work in the libraries again in fact I 
when my part-time job doing children's storytelling was cut, I did have the option to go back as a full-time scale-free library assistant. Really? But it would have been because I was on secondment from that job for five five years secondment. It seems weird, but I was. But I didn't want to go back to uh, really? to, to full-time work uh, in libraries because it's like... I know it sounds nice, doesn't it? Everyone thinks, oh, yeah. you just sit there reading a, a magazine and having a cup of tea. But first of all, you're not allowed to read a magazine. <laughs> My <laughs> I mean, plan is thwarted. You, know, you, you have to, you have to always look like you're busy. Like, that's like you know, you, you're not oh, allowed. Really? To, you're not allowed to look like you're not working. So even if there isn't work, Gosh. you have to find work. Right, that's it's that a, kind of a job. That's what you have to do in bar work. Exactly as well. right. Oh, so it's, it's, it's a customer here. service job for a start. That, that's what people don't realise about libraries, right? So yeah, you're dealing with the public every day. As you know, that's got its its pros oh and its cons, God. right? And uh, and then there's oh. the fact that like, as much as I like books or, or stuff like that, I'm not too keen on you know long yeah. shifts of boring. You know, when you're, whether you're stacking uh, beans or you're stacking books, you're essentially stacking something. <laughs> it's just it's just it's if you read stacking. the back of the beans, <laughs> it's more it's less interesting. <laughs> hilarious so so I mean I'm quite glad to get out of that especially like at that level and I don't want to be a manager of a, a, a library either because that's a different kind of hell so yeah I, I made the decision not to go back so do you think which is my decision even though I wish I'd get, I I would never have chosen to lose the good no job, but I did make a decision not to go back to the bad one yeah. do you think that if you can you'll carry on working with children then um, I think I like working with children and where it comes up I will take that opportunity but generally speaking I'm trying to um, trying to make my outside job things become my paid job yeah. things so I'm that's, that's what I'm trying to do but I, I'm definitely not against doing storytelling and stuff for kids but it's more like trying to cross them over so one thing I did do before I lost my last job was me and Matt actually made um, a series for CBeebies oh, yeah. uh, for Ministry of Stories that's the kind of thing I'd like to do take my yeah. my my expertise if you like about working with the under fives because yeah. I, I I wrote the scripts for the bits that weren't to do with the kids I wrote the scripts and knew how to pitch them to the right age group right yeah. so but it's still me creating stuff making art and all that sort of stuff so that's the that's the plan. We'll see well, if it works. Strange as well when you think about these things, how creative you are. That at university as well. How did you last three years with it? Like our course had nothing to do with that. Well, I made a theatre company oh. uh, and did plays outside it. So yeah. that's that's as you to like, keep that, your sanity, as it were. Yeah, I did that. I had a ra- I had a radio comedy show. I was working on. I wrote a couple of novels. You know how it goes. <laughs> so that was how I did it. Yeah. But I, you're right, the course was quite frustrating. And in fact, uh, I don't know if you remember, there was, first of all, in the second year I took dance because uh, they weren't running directing or playwriting anymore because there weren't um, enough people interested. Yeah. Did yeah. you do dance as well? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but for me it was a kind of a natural. There's no way I was going to do directing or playwriting. Jeez. Right. I can, um, I can barely write an email. <laughs> so that's why I did dance because I was like if I can't come to university to do the stuff I wanted to do I might as well do something that I never would have had the yeah, opportunity to do right? yeah. and then in the third year you know we had a practical project right I guess everybody had and I, I did a play but my tutor the, the person who was in charge of helping me produce that play was Nigel and so, <laughs> that's hilarious 
So oh my goodness, it so was you, mostly oh, like, was... let's uh, forget about everything that the play the play's supposed to be and do all of these other things and then completely rewrite the play to make it about a different thing. I mean, he was a great guy for dance. Yeah. Uh, I liked him as a dance tutor, but he uh, he ruined that play for me. And, and I would have liked to at least, because the thing is, you change it all according to their spe- specifications, yeah. but you don't get the marks for that. No. So I would have liked to have at least done it my way and got the marks based on that, whether it was yeah, good marks or bad marks. Yeah, definitely. But definitely so it goes yeah because when you're working in a group you have to think of everybody else's feelings on the matter so I couldn't really stick my my uh, yeah see sometimes I out. wonder if we should think about other people's feelings in the matter when you have to do this group work sometimes you should just be able to turn around and go no you're, what, what you're doing is just wrong but that's their degree isn't it yeah, so I, that's yeah. the problem <laughs> yeah. so like I did completely like my dissertation or part dissertation or whatever it was and my TV drama essay were both completely and utterly designed to like <laughs> fuck the system uh, but I couldn't do that with my. <laughs> I couldn't do that with a practical project. To yeah. my great sadness. In fact, I think I would have been better off not fucking the system for those things, but fucking the system for the play. Because yeah. that would have actually been a good play. Whereas the, the, the fucking the system with the uh, with the things I did, it's like I look back and I'm a bit cringy at how kind of like naive like it is to try and. No, but screw that's, over surely that's how, surely that's how we learn about. Yeah, these maybe things, it is. Though. Yeah, maybe it is. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I know, but I can't. My TV drama essay wasn't an essay, it was a CD, an audio recording. That's genius. And I had it, yeah, and I had it, I got it, and I started listening to it, and I, I can't listen to it. I'm so, I'm so <laughs> ashamed of, 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 of my kind of arrogance of how I did it. It's not necessarily, like, I'm not against what I was trying to do, I'm, I'm, it's the way I did it. It's, really? It starts off with like three minutes of unlistenable sound <laughs> to really mess with, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> that makes me laugh. I think that's brilliant. One of those two es- essays came back with the uh, the note from the department. The subject wants to either do really well or to do, to fail. So we recommend giving a mediocre mark, which is kind of like saying. <laughs> is it serious? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it went to outside examiners, and they bumped up the marks to a reasonable mark because they were like, "That's not that's not grounds for for marking someone based that's on bizarre. teaching them a lesson." Yeah, yeah. It was strange. Uh, yeah. That's bizarre. It was weird. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> That's really weird. I mean, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. That like, uh, this makes it sound like everybody and everything about Lancaster University theatre studies was bad. It wasn't, and uh, there's lots of great. There was lots of great tutors there at the time. Mm. I'm sure there's. I mean, and some of them. I'm one of them. I'm friends with now. But yeah. Uh, but but yeah. Who are you friends with? Chris Roberts. I just speak to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Only friends on Facebook with people. Yeah, I, well, getting better acquainted gives me an excuse to oh, actually reconnect brilliant. with people yeah. properly. Right. It's been good for that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I guess another thing that I don't know had you started doing this at uni you probably had um, but something that I notice about you these days is that you've got quite a lot of tattoos uh, do you know what I didn't actually get a tattoo oh my first tattoo I got um, I got when I was travelling with Lauren and was that, that oh wow that um, okay. but the bit that's around it it was so, yeah so, this is yeah, but for listeners, I'm I'm being being shown parts of uh, Sam's oh, body. Oh yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> so so it's a star sign. It's a Scorpio. Right. So Lauren basically took took it and drew it for me to be able to give to the tattooist when we were travelling. 
we were in Australia and did it. And so then as I've got kind of more and more tattoos, Lauren, I don't think she doesn't really like them. And I don't think that she doesn't like my tattoos. She just doesn't like that I'm doing it. Right. And so I said to her, well, if you draw me a tattoo, like what's your favorite flower, your colors or whatever, and I'll put like Lauren forever on it and I'll get a tattoo for you. And she kind of procrastinated and she wasn't doing it. And I think probably part of it being that she didn't want me to do it. So I, my skull was, was outlined on me and I was walking past Inca, the tattoo studio where my tattooist was. And he was there and we started talking about the shading and it was a Wednesday and I said, oh, it's such a shame Lauren is not giving me this stupid design, etc, etc, because I'm going to see her on Friday. And he said, what do you want it to say? And I said, I just want something, you know, something a bit tacky and a bit silly and I just want to just put it on me and, you know, I'm not worried about it. And he was like, well, we've got 10 minutes now. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I called Lauren. I went, right, Lauren, I'm going to write this. I'm just going to, I'm just going to write this tattoo. So you need to tell me what you want it to say. And we call her Loz. Rio calls her Auntie Lolly, and others of her friends call her Lolly. And um, she said, oh, I don't know, I don't know what to do. So I got a biro, and I wrote... Lolly, Lolly forever, forever. And Nathan went over it. Wow. I mean, yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's sort of like, I guess, on your just stomach... Hip, like hip front hip somewhere like that so I've got a I mean you're, 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 you're exhibiting something that I always think is an excellent thing about you you're just very comfortable with just uh, just like just, yeah just get it out there getting bits of your body out so and... I'll show you um, <laughs> I'll show you what the recent one it really hurt we've got oh wow this is got... like a full body wow so um, Sam's showing me a, a pictures on her phone uh, and it's like of the newest ones all of all the way down the side of your body, basically. Yeah, it finishes there. That's so like down just to mid thigh. Mid thigh. It's bindweed with skulls. And why, why, why bindweed with skulls? So, I really like skulls. Right. I don't really know why, and I wanted a skull put on me. So on this side, I've got a gypsy lady, and it's got stuff to do with my mum and dad. So it's got a blackbird, a turpial, um, an orchid, and a rose. It's got. <laughs> it's got the oh, wow. Venezuelan flag and the English flag, and then Lealtad y Respeto there. And then on my back, I've got two swallows, and they're holding a piece of lace with pearls going around. And then I just wanted a skull. All of those have kind of got stories with them. Yeah. But then the skull, I just wanted, I just wanted a skull. And then um, I wanted it extended. I can't remember what I was telling you about the skull now. Was I telling you about well, you the skull? Said, well, you said that you liked skulls, and you didn't know why. And I was, well, I was asking, I, I, I was asking why skulls, but, but, but. Oh. Why the bindweed yeah. with the skulls? Yeah, by, by so, the too. So then I said to Nathan, well, I want to extend it and I want to get more put on there. And we, so, so he said, why don't we do this pile of skulls? And I said, let's get the roses, the rose and the orchid and put them through with the skulls so it's not too harsh. And it, then it can kind of tie these two in together. And he said, yeah. But what happened was this year I've been doing monthly challenges with my friend. Got to the end of last year and I thought to myself, lots of things need to change. I'm finding myself kind of living life a bit too much out of habit and not questioning or thinking about what I'm doing and making, making conscious decisions about them. Right. And so we, we've decided to, well, I've kind of forced my friends to do it with me. Uh, monthly <laughs> challenges. So, for example, in January we did a, a squat challenge, a 30-day squat challenge. We did six weeks caffeine-free. We did a month of vegetarian, which now I'm actually not eating any meat at all. And so it's just kind of to put yourself through these things. I've started chanting. At the moment, we're doing 30-day ab challenge. Right. So, yeah, so just these small things we did. I've done booze-free 
for a month as well. Wow. And it's just basically to question all these things. Yeah. yeah I mean, booze-free for me is quite difficult. It's actually. quite rare. Yeah. yeah you... And so talking with Nathan, Nathan then kind of freaked out when I've been looking at your tattoo, and I'm really worried now that you're not a pile of skulls. And I said, why? And he said, well, because you're changing your ideas and kind of your outlook on life, the things that you want to be in touch with and how, how much more aware of, of yourself and the world is. I'm not sure that I'm feeling the, the skulls thing. And I said, well, okay, forget the, the, those two flowers. We need to think about something to integrate the fact that I'm changing. But I haven't changed that much because I still like the skulls. I'm still going to dress like this, even though I do oil pulling every morning and a bit more hippie-fied now. So don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, much more in the kind of this, the Buddhist outlook on stuff. And so Nathan was living in Ibiza for a little while, and everywhere there was bindweed. And apparently, one of the things about bindweed is how strong it is. No matter where bindweed lands, it will grow. And if it's near a tree and it wants to grow that much, apparently it can get so strong it will pull a tree down. But people don't really mind it and forget that it's a weed because the flowers are really pretty, and so people don't pull it out until it's kind of too late and it's taken root and it's taken over. Wow. Yeah. And I just like the idea very much but really Nathan nice. felt better about relating that back to me and kind of the change but it being strong change and a positive thing but Because it's probably a big deal for a tattooist to put a full I mean I don't like you, you people at home you didn't see the pictures which is probably for the best because they weren't um, <laughs> safe for work. But <laughs> they, but they, but it's a, a full side of the body and that's quite an extreme, I mean... Yeah, and, and you're there. And you've got, yeah, you've got, like... Yeah. Sam is literally taking her top off now. Yeah, it's all... Her whole body uh, is basically tattooed. And you, oh, God. Uh, now, her tra- now her trousers. It's yeah. still scabby. Wow. I got it done two weeks ago, but it comes all the way down to And how do you feel about that? No, I mean, that's a very big thing that you've done the, to your body. The thing is, it's funny as well, because you think about how permanent it is. And at first, when, like when you first stand up and look at it, and like you said as well, it's really, it's very, very, it's a very intense experience because you're, it, I mean, I don't know about other people with tattoos, it hurts. Right. A lot. Right. You literally are handing your body over to someone because they are permanently marking you. Their hands are on you as well. They, hopefully, they've designed it with you in mind. It's so personal, but so physical as well. And you stand up and you look at it and you think, oh, shit, what have I done? And then two days later, it's like you should have looked like that. Right. Immediately. And I forget to swell that I have tattoos because a lot of them are on my back. Yeah. Everything's yeah, covered yeah, or yeah. whatever. When people see them, go, oh, the tattoo on your back. I'm like, how do you know I have a tattoo? Yeah. Well, I, I, forget? I forget that I've got purple uh, shoelaces. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, I, 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 so you didn't get tattoos till after uni? Yeah. So that was the first one when I was about 19. And then, oh, and then do you know what? The second, my second tattoo, I didn't get until I was 27. Okay. And I know because I got the panther done and about three, about three, four weeks later, I got pregnant. Ah. Mm. So, and that means, I guess, the, the panther will have changed, sh- like, shape well, and all sorts yeah, of things. Well, yeah, we had to pray and it didn't. It didn't? No, it's fine. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would have been awful. Yeah. Uh, no, so the panther stayed, and then and then I got the swallows. It took two and a half years for Nathan to design the swallows with the lace. And basically, the first song that Diego wrote about me was called Flowers and Pearls. And so I, um, I liked the idea of then doing something to do with that. So we took lace because it had flowers in it, the pearls going around. Swallows, an interesting thing about swallows, which I really like, pirates like them because when they see swallows, it means that they're close to land. They know how far they are right. away from land and it means kind of them coming home. And apparently if they, if they drown at sea, pirates believe that swallows will carry their souls either home or to heaven. 
that's nice. It is nice, yeah. yeah. Quite like pirates. <laughs> Maybe that's a connection with the skulls thing as well then, I guess. I yeah, I guess so. I mean, the thing about skulls is people always think that they're a negative sign, but I don't think so. I mean, it's like life it, it, life and death is it's not necessarily as, as negative as no. that. Like, skulls is what's underneath our skin. That's mm-hmm. a, not, not a horrible thing. No. Yeah, so... No, no. Yeah, and kind of stripping everything away. That's all of us are... Just yeah, and you have got a kind of pirate look, actually. You do, like, <laughs> like, it's part of what you do in a good way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 If I was going to cast a kind of uh, a cool, like female <laughs> pirate leader, you you definitely would be, be in the running. Sparrow, right? Um, right, female Jack yeah, Sparrow. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was going to say something about that, but you know, when people say things like you know, like past lives or whatever, I reckon that if I had past lives, I probably was a pirate at some point. Cool. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> I mean, so you're like, like, I mean, that's the thing, like. When you're saying that you uh, got a, a tattoo about the first song that Diego wrote for you, mm-hmm. I mean, the thing, one of the things that people say about tattoos is, well, it's permanent, and if you get it related to a relationship, what if that relationship changes? Yeah. And I guess that relationship has changed. Yes, we're no longer together. But that doesn't mean that that part of your life is no, any different, right? exactly, but that's the thing as well. I think about these things, it, and would you, would you change it? No. No matter kind of how bad it is, whatever the... But however the process was and how painful it was, there are always going to be things that you would never have changed about it. He wrote that song. It's not like we take it away now. No. That song is still there, still out there somewhere, and that was a particular part of my life. And yeah. No matter how much it's about him, it was about the time and it was about us as opposed to anything else. So, I mean, he could... Would I be saying the same thing if he'd died? God forbid. But do you know what I mean? If we hadn't broken up and he'd just died, would I have gone, oh, shit, I shouldn't have got that tattoo done because he's not here anymore? Right. Our bodies are, like, our lives as well. Like, you know, we, whether we put tattoos on them or not, we get scars, we get, they, you know, they go through life's experiences. Yeah. And when we look back at our lives, uh, we could just as easily look back at our body. Like, our body is the, the, the storing of all yeah, of these experiences definitely. that we've had. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm... I'm going to hopefully soon get my first tattoo. Are so, you? What are you uh, yeah, do? I'm going to get Snufkin, who is a character from uh, the Moomins, who represents freedom, I guess, to me. Oh, really? Uh, and moving on. He, That's nice. He's like a character who, he, 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 he doesn't have a home, he just has a, a, a knapsack and, uh, and a pipe oh, really? organ and a hat, yeah. and he moves, you know, and when the spring, he, he always avoids the winter, he always moves. And so I'm going to get him like leaving and with his footsteps coming down I think kind of on my my chest sort of that that's that, really cool that's and, very yeah. cool yeah but it's taken me this long to decide something that was right you know like it's I've been looking for the, the right tattoo for ages and then I saw it and it was on somebody else's shoulder which was annoying <laughs> uh, because now it makes me derivative <laughs> but he's a friend of mine now anyway and he's, he's given me permission to sort of sort of copy him but I'm going in a different place than, than he's got but but when I saw that I was like like all my life I've been looking for the right image Design. and thing and that's that's it that's that's the thing I need good. Yeah. I, but sometimes right so there I, there are two sides of it though sometimes I wonder if people kind of put a little bit too much thought into it because yes it is <laughs> it is permanent I mean I viroed myself lolly forever be there forever yeah that's, and it's, that's kind you of know, it. it took 10 minutes and that tattoo compared to the other tattoos is they're different styles almost yeah. it's like on, on on your body you've got kind of like different styles of art which is yeah. which is cool and, mm. and, and and but but it, you know but yeah and but then sometimes as well these people they just walk into a tattooing studio and go i'll just get one of them then and then you think oh you wally what were you thinking yeah you've got to put enough thought in yeah. to make it something significant yeah but 
if you try and put too much thought in, like I tr- try and do with everything, yeah. you may spend like, you know, 32 just years without it. a tattoo. Just yeah. get it, put it on you, do it. <laughs> I say, yeah, come on. My friend Gavin, who wants us to get tattoos, and I keep telling him, just hurry up. Like either we get matching tattoos or we get something that has something to do with each other. My other friend, Shaleen's desperately trying to get hers removed. Right. Yeah. She spent about 200 pounds on her tattoos. It's going to cost her about 500 pounds to get them to get rid of them. Yeah, I mean, I guess that is a thing, like in terms of employability and stuff like that. Like people, in theory, are going to be put off by tattoos. But I think that changes as more people have tattoos, right? Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure there is a single person in Brighton now without a tattoo. That's true. It's yeah, that's right. It's almost more fashionable. You're more of a one-off to not have any at all. Right. Well, exactly. No, that's true. Brighton, Brighton is a, a, an outlier for tattoos in a good way. It's a good yeah. place to live if you're going to be tattooed, right? Yeah, <laughs> you just blend in. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I suppose people's outlook towards tattoos now is really... Actually, it's funny you say that. So my friend, my friend Gavin, he's got a half a sleeve. I suppose other arm done as well. He's got a huge chest piece and he's got something on his calf and something on his foot or something like that. Anyway, and he's got, you know, those little um, black earrings that you put in that you can see through. The ones that make it bigger and bigger until it's a a, like circle. So my dad, my dad met Gavin really, really briefly. My dad rarely comes to the UK, but he was here because my sister was having her kids christened. I kept saying cremated to people, which is (laughs) awful because she's not having the kids cremated. Right. That's an accidental. I mean, I said it to this guy. He didn't know me very well. And I said, "Um, yeah, my my parents are coming because my sister's having the kids cremated. (laughs) And then I started laughing and he was like, that's not something to laugh at. And I went, yeah, but they're not even being cremated. They're both alive and wonderful. She's having a Oh, God. Anyway, yes, my dad was here and he was listening to Gavin talk. And Gavin just got back from Canada and he really wanted to get this job with a company called Snow Camp. Um, and they work with kiddies who are kind of having some troubles or whatever and take them to go snowboarding. It's based here in London, well, the actual activities here in London. And it's almost like mentoring, but not kind of giving them a different approach to life and being able to give them the skills and qualities to be able to deal with situations a little bit better through kind of hardcore sport. Right. And so Gavin was talking about it and he was talking about going for the interview and he was really nervous and he was sitting on the end of the table. My dad was somewhere else. My dad is very strict about these things. Like you, you don't even talk about politics and religion when you're like around other people or whatever. You know, he's very, right. uh, very English like that. And when he left, he said, how does Gavin think he's going to get a job when he's covered like that in tattoos? And I was like, daddy, you can't talk about people like that. And he said, well, it's true. I wouldn't employ him. And my dad is a contracts manager now, whereas he used to be a project manager. So he's always been in civil engineering, so it's a very, it's a very men's job until kind of yeah. very recently. They're very strict. It's very sober, and uh, you know, you always wear a shirt and suit to work. And I turned around and said, "Well, he's not going to apply for a job with you for contracts manager that he's got to go out on site with a hard hat on and you know be taken seriously. He's got to relate to kids nowadays at like 18 years old, and they're getting in trouble with the police and they're doing too much drugs. He needs to be approachable to them, not right. some stiffy in a suit." My yeah. dad. Was, and yeah, I could see my dad had never really thought about it like that because I suppose he's so involved in his world of how you know how straight all these people are. He doesn't see us lots like the the generation below pulling those walls down a little bit. Right. Our approach to life and work now is slightly different. It's not yeah as, as strict. <clears throat> and if you've got full body tattoos, I mean in a way they're more hideable than most tattoos because yeah. yeah, yeah. they're, 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 they're not in a places that you're going to go around yeah. showing. And uh, yeah, so then my dad went on afterwards to say, well, let me know how he does because I'd really like to think that he's going to do really well and that it, yeah, you're right, Samantha, it's not about kind of what you look like or whatever. And he got the job, Gavin got the job. And uh, my dad was so excited. I think he was more excited about Gavin getting the job than he's ever been about any of my jobs <laughs> ever. It was really interesting. It was really, really interesting to listen to my dad talk about it and be able to see tattoos bridging a gap between generation yeah 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 
And so nowadays, I suppose it is a little bit more acceptable to have a tattoo and it be on show. Yeah, well, I mean, it's interesting to me that, like, because, yeah, that's always something I've wanted to have as a quality about me that, that I definitely think you've got, like, that I've always thought you've got and I'd like to have that. Is, uh, is this thing, like, of being comfortable with... Is, is this thing, as I referred to earlier on, of being comfortable in your own skin, in your own body? Like, to the extent you're, you're so comfortable with your skin, like, I'll just draw all over it. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, I don't, I'll just show you this, I don't mind, I don't yeah. mind it. Like, it's not, it's not, like, it's very matter of fact. It's very, like, basic. And that was, like, I mean, one of the reasons that when we were casting, like, when we were looking to find someone who, in C&W who, at the, you know, at a young age was comfortable with standing up in a bar and playing a stripper, yeah. uh, you were the, the obvious choice. And you were, like, when we... And I, remember, <laughs> I know, which sounds bad, which sounds yeah. bad, but then when we, when we were, like, we were, like, hesitant about asking you, but when, you, when we asked you, you were like, oh, yeah, yeah, no... And, like, it was just... <laughs> you made us feel so much more relaxed about the thing, because for you it was just, like, it didn't seem to be anything, yeah, right? Yeah, it's fine. But it's funny as well, though, because I am actually a really anxious quite highly strong person no I agree with that too I'm yeah. not saying that you're not yeah. yeah and lots of lots of people I think so I find not that I find it hard to make friends I think as I've got older I've kind of just got more like oh god we've got to talk to people now and we've got to be around people and I've got to be in a group in a sociable environment yeah it gets and, harder and you've you know you've really got to do something oh but Sam you do it at work all the time like, but it's so superficial at work right you talk to people you don't necessarily care about what they're talking about. Right. You you don't want to be involved in it whatsoever. Yeah, you've got to be really interested in oh yes, I understand. Um, so I think the matter of factness. Yeah, I think you just have to be. Otherwise, I don't know. I suppose you get caught up too much in thinking about worrying about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, you're anxious and worrying about other things. It's just yeah. you're quite comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. I think that's, yeah, that's I, I mean, that. and it's always, the grass always looks greener, right, from wherever no, you are. <laughs> so I, I, I want to be comfortable in my own skin, uh, and I'm not, but uh, I guess I, I don't, yeah, I, I, I'm also anxious in social situations, yeah. <laughs> so really, really on screen. Oh, we rubbish. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. But no, I mean, yeah. but yeah, I mean, but I always do think, I think, I don't know, it. I don't know where, like, I don't know where, where, where our outlooks on the world come from. It's impossible um, to work it out, really. Yeah. It's just some people are comfortable and some people aren't and some people become comfortable and some people yeah, don't. Yeah, and you yeah. know, Some people start off so comfortable and by life become more and more like uncomfortable. Yeah, jaded and, yeah, and so, bitter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all I can do is, is admire that quality in you, really, rather than Thanks. work out how to have yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I want yeah. to do. You know, whenever, whenever you see someone with a, a quality you want, you're always like, ah, oh, right, how, yeah. do, how does that work, actually? Who knows? Yeah, and then I think as well, I'm always, maybe it's a bit mean of me. I don't think people change when people say, oh, you know, they change through life and blah, blah, blah. No, you don't. When you get to about 21, that's it. 25, definitely. Most people have a meltdown between 25 and 27 that no one ever tells you about yeah, right. until you have a meltdown. Right. Why do they not tell you that? I don't know. Yeah, Their 20s assholes. is a really hard, hard years, right? It is a weird place to be. Sorry, it's about you. It is a weird place to be. Yeah. And yeah, and I don't think people kind of change after that. So other people that are saying, oh, I need to change my life and this and that and the other. No, don't worry about it. Just stay as you are. Just do it. Yeah. Although that's interesting that you're saying that when you're like at the moment doing these things yeah, to, to, but in a way that isn't that about going back to who you were, right? Yes, I think so. I, I think feel like that's how I'm going in my life. I'm like, yeah, I didn't enjoy, like 20s were hard, but now I've got a little bit more about me. I can go, right, 
I remember what I used to like doing. I'm going to buy purple shoelaces for my shoes. Yeah. I'm going to do. I'm going to start yes. dressing interestingly. Why the hell not? You know. Yeah. That's, I think. Yeah. yeah. I think I've spent the last five years worrying so much and before that I didn't think about a thing right. ever right. paid my rent and I paid my bills and that was about right. it the rest I went out partying I didn't sleep enough <laughs> I drank too much all that kind of stuff just hung out with my friends whatever yeah it was fine and then all of a sudden with Rio and it's not that I wasn't anxious then I was anxious but kind of I suppose in a different way and you just don't think about it you don't worry about it like you said there's, there's less responsibility then having Rio I've spent the last five years totally zoned into worrying about stuff so much like my anxiety is just through the roof and, right and probably may, maybe then less comfortable in my skin because the transition from being your own person to only being a mother right and also that, that skin that you were comfortable yeah. in suddenly had another person yeah. inhabiting it for yeah. a while and, and then and right. you, you, I think as well I put pressure on myself thinking um, that's it it's just being a mum it's just being a mum it's just being a mother I'm only a mother I'm only a mother and no one says well done and thank you yes, very much and right. whatever and it, that sounds really kind of like oh you're only, me they only mention the fact that you're a mother if, you, if they think you're doing it wrong yes yeah yeah and I like yeah not a woe is me thing but I, I think it took a while for me to really get to grips with my life has changed right. I am a mother and I embracing it needed yeah needed to embrace it more than what I was doing yeah so I think now I realized last year something has got to change it's got to change I've got to do something to yeah to then find these things stop making everything be out of habit make conscious aware decisions about what I'm eating yeah all of a sudden yeah I'm worried about the animals I don't want to eat the animals anymore fair enough it's weird. Well, that's, it's not weird. It's a reasonable well, conclusion to come to. It's not one I've come to, but it's, no. it's one that I yeah. understand people come to. Yeah. And, and just, yeah, it was the small things like you wake up every day and you have a coffee. Do you want it? Do you actually want the coffee? Or are you just drinking it just to drink it? And I realised I really like coffee. And I don't necessarily drink coffee every day now. And I drink red brush tea. What Which, have you become? I what have I become? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just got that bit. Oh, it's really crazy. I eat really, I eat very little wheat. I don't eat any dairy, unless I'm kind of hungover or something like that. Yeah, making actual conscious decisions. I started eating quinoa and lentils. You know, it's okay. I know, it's weird oh, it's though. Right. Yeah, because if anybody, yeah, but a year ago or two years ago, someone had seen me and I, I, there's no way I ever would have been speaking like this. So I'm getting up in the morning and chanting, chanting at nighttime before bed, trying to find some clarity and some meditation. I have no idea what I'm doing and trying to just go with the flow a little bit more that's, as opposed to it's good though I mean I think you know whatever works is my attitude to life yeah uh, and if it's if it's helping you to be more you then yeah. I think so that's another thing that I think is something you ha you have to shed in your 20s if you haven't already shed it it's like I'm like that I'm like embarrassed to admit that I care about these yeah. sorts of things yeah. like it's like you know like just rock and roll right exactly yeah I don't have to try no, but, you no. know and, and, and actually it's like you, you just have to say well you know those things that make me ashamed because I, I worried about what society's going to think uh, that's exactly yeah. what I'm intending to not be about right? I th if, if I'm really rock and roll I won't care yeah right yeah, yeah. for sure yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you worry about these things? Though? Yeah. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Do you worry about the animals? No. Um, I am aware. I, I'm aware of the problems with the animals. Uh, I don't like like. I like meat a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and Is what it comes down to. I, I, I kind of, if we had a different society, I wouldn't feel guilty at all about eating that yeah. meat. 
but we don't so I do feel a little bit guilty but I feel guilty about buying clothes so it's not like yeah 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 right. this all of a sudden I've started thinking about this as well now yeah. our clothes I started buying everything really super organic no palm oil is allowed in my house I dare go off the other day so, yeah because they kill the orangutans they like beat them up and stuff Oh, yeah, it's, it's okay to worry about these things. It's okay to, yeah. like, it's quite, you know, <laughs> lots of people wouldn't be saying, oh my God, should I be worrying about them? They'd be like, you should be worrying about them. Mm. So, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a mark of how kind of non-judgmental you are, yeah. that, you're, that you're judging yourself rather than judging the other people yeah. when you've come to this conclusion. Um, but you're saying that as well then, thinking, trying to remember that you have to sometimes bring it back to you and to not kind of lose yourself as well. Yeah. I turned around, I was thinking about it the other day and said to my friend Shanine about it, I want to go on holiday, I don't want to take Rio with me. Yeah. And kind of saying that, admitting that and kind of following through is very different. I feel guilty. I'm, right. not, I'm only supposed to be at work or with my son. I'm right. not supposed that, to. But that's what you're told to think, yes. yeah? It's not how you should think. I've so been, this is I've great. Been, yeah, I've been reading it as well a lot more kind of like on the feminist outlook on it of you know, kind of, <laughs> like I know. Like pulling don't worry, faces. don't worry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm you, This is why I love yeah. your Facebook. Your Facebook is wonderful. Honestly, it's brilliant. Um, I read this shit all the time that you put up. And then I've actually been going and finding out other things like links through it and whatever and have been like Googling it or reading more about it. But because, but as well, I don't want to make it sound like it's, oh God, we just have such a terrible time. I don't have a terrible time. I've got um, a roof. I've got parents who love me my son is incredible i have a job i eat well i have clothes all yeah. those kinds of things that's wonderful but i feel guilty if i go out if i try to relax for five minutes if i want to be by myself if i want to spend time with my friends if i'm not at work or if i'm not with rio it makes me feel like i'm doing something wrong yeah and so to try and change those things and to remember that you are you and to be you that you can't you can't let the work and the kids define you. Sure. But that's very difficult. Everything about society, if yeah, that's the right yeah. way to say it, is kind of saying, well, if you want to be this independent, strong woman and, you know, and a single mum and da-da-da-da-da, then this is what you've got to do and you've got to live up to this and you've got yeah. to look great all the time and, uh, like, and all that kind of shit. Yeah. And you just think, I'd just like to just look nice just because, not... I mean, not without the pressure on top right. of it. And There's a lot of different kinds of nice as well. I, yeah. That's what, you know, I'm trying to get to a place where I can just be like, the way I want to look and the way I am is okay. And some people will fancy that and they don't have to be yeah. like worrying all the time about like yeah. how I look all the time. Yeah. Which, you know, and, I, and men don't get it anywhere near as bad as women, like mm. that kind of pressure. So, yeah. Do you go on holiday? Not much because I'm just I'm, I'm, I've been a workaholic for, for years in terms of yeah. I've either when I've not been in work I've been creating stuff ah. but no now I'm actually trying I'm also I'm trying to put more time into my they, me and Jen have got like adventure days now where we ha, we book oh, out really? a day and we go on an adventure really? in London like for us, that. with That's ourselves amazing. so that yeah we're consciously trying to make sure that we're, we're putting self-care and self-time into our lives yeah. as well as it's really uh, yeah, important it is it's really important. I so I started oil pulling. Do you know this? Uh, I don't know what oil pulling so, is. So something to do with, you'll have to look it up to, to get the kind of the right basis or whatever. So you get raw pressed organic coconut oil. Right. You take a, a spoonful of it. And before you've done anything else in the morning, so you don't drink water, nothing like that, blah, blah, blah. Put it in your mouth and rinse it around for 20 minutes. And then you spit it out, you spit it not into the sink, obviously, and you rinse your mouth out with um, warm, salty water and give your tongue a scrape. And it helps to draw the toxins out of your body and detoxify. <laughs> All right, I know, yeah, rock and roll fan. But what I found amazing about it as well in the morning 
I have 20 minutes. I'm not allowed to say a word. Wow. At all. Wow. I'm, yeah, nothing. Jen, Jen would appreciate me taking this up. Well, <laughs> yeah, and it's the first thing you have to do. So it really, for me, it really kind of, and it, well, it's really good for your oral health anyway, but it really sets my day up now with me thinking, I've got 20 minutes to quietly walk around the house doing my thing that you know, kind of, because I get up at six o'clock, so kind of get Ria's lunchbox ready and stuff when I'm at home. But 20 minutes to really think, just calm down, think about your day, what's going to happen or whatever, so you don't get up in a rush, run into the shower, the alarm clock's gone yeah, off, all that kind of stuff. No, you get up, put it in your mouth, 20 minutes of silence and that's it. Yeah, that's the thing that you don't realise maybe when you're younger, that a lot of these things, they, they help you to be like more fun, to have a better time. Like it's like, that's the thing that's learning that, yeah, learning these kind of things has definitely been something that's been important to me to, to do is like go, hang on, I can, yeah, if I do, if I actually, if I look after myself, guess what? I'm happier. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're younger, it's all about drinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. not not getting any sleep, and going to work. And then when you finish work, start drinking again, yeah. all this kind of stuff. And you think, yeah, that's because I'm having loads of fun. And then my memory is absolutely shocking. We were talking about it earlier. It's absolutely shot to pieces. But I haven't had enough sleep in my life, right. and I've drunk too much. And now I think, <laughs> yeah, if I'm not in bed by nine thirty every night, now I start to worry. I'm going to bed too late. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Well, that's that's very great. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, so a, a lot of that last stuff that we were talking about probably probably covers quite a lot of this but the last question I ask people is do you have anything to plug so we've kind of been sort of talking vaguely about good good approaches to, to, to life so that kind yeah. of covers that it's a weird question to ask people but I like to give people the opportunity to plug or promote something uh, the oil pulling is good <laughs> yeah I'm yeah. liking that a lot right I would. I think everybody should do it, and it makes you feel really high. So that's really good. Anyway, um, and I don't know. I suppose everyone just needs to just yeah, just relax a little bit. I think. It's been a real pleasure again, yeah, Barry, to with you. No? Yeah, and I, I didn't even know where the conversation was going to go today. No. Sometimes I've got notes, but I, I kind of knew vague areas, but I, I didn't have notes. And it's been great. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. The last thing I ask people to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Oh, bye audience, bye. Bye everyone. So as I said in today's episode, I'm now a freelancer. You can hire me to do various things. Have a look at what I can offer over on my website www.davepickeringstoryteller.co.uk I do lots of different things and I can do some of those things for you. One of the things that I also do is I run a show called Stand Up Tragedy next week, next Wednesday, a week today if you're listening to this when it came out, is our next show, Tragic Misadventures. We're teaming up with Kit Lovelace who's been a previous guest on Getting Better Acquainted to do a night that combines what his night Romantic Misadventure and my night Stand Up Tragedy both do into one glorious whole and if you want to buy tickets in advance they're just £5 if you buy them through our crowdfunding campaign so that's at bit.ly Tragic Fringe donate more money to us you can get some other really amazing perks as well You can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter, at GBA Podcast. You can find it on Facebook. It's Getting Better Acquainted. Have a search on Facebook and like it. 
or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk. You can also subscribe by searching on iTunes and subscribing to us that way. And on the Stitcher Smart Radio app that you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the App Store. There are lots of ways to get better acquainted.